Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of the Big Nickel IDP podcast on the Big Three Network. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. Uh, we have a great show today with an even better guest as we're finally going to go over some of the old faces in new places of NFL free agency. Uh, we've spent the last couple of months pouring over rookie IDPs. Uh, so go back and give those a listen if you haven't already. But now it's time to kind of get back into the rest of the IDPs, the, the ones that we've actually seen play in the NFL. So I wanted to leave this episode until now uh, in June because of potential post-June 1st cuts and signings that could possibly happen later on here in the offseason. Uh, there, there hasn't really been much yet uh, aside from Devondre Campbell and Sheldon Richardson, but that's really about it as far as relevant IDPs go. Uh, but either way, I've been really looking forward to this episode and not just because there were a ton of interesting IDP free agent signings, but mostly because of my esteemed guest joining me on this episode who is here to help me break it all down hailing from across the pond he is the co-host of the read and react podcast senior writer at dynastyleaguefootball.com a one-man database for all things defense and fantasy football one of the goats of idp the legendary tom kislingberry tom how are you doing today well, you just boosted me up, John. So yeah, I'm doing pretty good, thanks, buddy. Um, it's been it's been a long day, and it's very very hot over here. So I'm being a moaning Englishman, but thank you very much for kind words, and I've been looking forward oh, to no. the show too. So we're gonna have a good time talking football. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, kind words, well deserved, and and yeah, it's I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know it's the evening over there; it's lunchtime over here, so it's <laughs> uh, we're on different time schedules. But I do really appreciate you uh, finding the time and uh, and uh, coming on the show because it, it, when I kind of came up with the idea for the podcast, or when it was the the. Um, the idea was presented to me by the guys over at Big Three. Uh, you were you were one of the first names that came to mind as a guest that I'd like to have on the show because you, so much of your your work is is uh, is excellent in, in the IDP world. So to be able to pick your brain and, and talk about football this way is uh, very exciting for me. So I, I really do appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just lucky I get to talk football with people because I spent a lot of years um, without really having that chance. Um, it's only recently that the NFL has has got pretty popular over in the UK and, and for a long time it was trying to find anyone who knew anything about the sport let alone someone who liked you know is talking about in-depth defensive players because uh, that's a pretty small proportion of people as it is yeah definitely it's kind of the same here in Canada too like hockey is like the dominant sport uh, for us and and there's football fans but like not like in the states and yeah getting an IDP league going like amongst friends and stuff, it, it was near impossible uh, at the start. So it's it's picked up a little bit in recent years, but it was a struggle at first as well for me. So, uh, yeah, I understand the feeling for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so how, how long have you been playing uh, in, in IDP leagues? Oh, man, you, you're making me feel old now. So <laughs> I think my first IDP season was 98. Wow. I think it was 98, uh, possibly one year either way, because that was a long time ago, man. Um, so I'm, I'm so old. The first platform I played on was Sandbox, which was way, way before um, sort of current platforms. So real, real old time. Um, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I've talked about this before, but I, I sort of learned the game by 
by teaching myself a little bit and playing Madden. There was, there was no way you can go on the internet. YouTube didn't exist. So you couldn't go and watch videos about sort of how how it all worked. You'd have to pick up bits and pieces here. The, the internet, I mean, this sounds stupid, but it was it was fairly young days of the internet. Not everyone had an email address, right? So I, I sat there in my bedroom mm-hmm. at university um, trying to work out what LOLB and LILB stood for. I had no idea. Um, and I was just trying to figure it all out together. So I went on Sandbox and I was sort of playing with the options because, you know, I'm a, I'm a tinkerer by nature and I was clicking in all the different positions and, was, and my thought was, well, of course you have defensive players as well as os- offensive players. Why wouldn't you? I, I didn't know any different. I, I didn't know any better. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if fantasy football was invented 10 or 15 or 20 years later than it was, people would have gone, well, yeah, we'll just track all players. That seems pretty obvious. It blows my mind. I find it extremely weird that people go, yeah, I'm super hardcore football man. I love football, really into it. But I only follow the five players on out of the 22 on the field at any time that touch the ball. The rest of them, total closed book to me, but I'm such a hardcore football fan. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Like if, if fantasy football was invented, yeah, um, at, at that point that, you know, we, we could easily or at this point we could easily see using all 22 players on the field, but unfortunately uh, not the case right now. I mean, IDP is growing, but I I don't think it'll ever reach to the the point of the popularity of offense only. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's too far off right now. It definitely won't. It's always going to be limited. I mean, this is, this is cross sport, right? You can probably talk about it in hockey, uh, but, but my favorite hockey uh, player is Scott Stevens. So, you know, go defense, but, um, fundamentally, people are excited about offensive, proactive um, actions, yeah. not defensive. That's what we like to see. Um, it happens in, I would say, football, but soccer. Um, it happens in rugby. It happens in tennis and cricket, even. People want to see people with the ball in their hand going and trying to score on the other people. And that's just you know, a fundamental speed limit. So IDP is never going to get that big. And that's okay. Nobody's job is, you know, trying to right. grow it or any of that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Let people do what they want. I, you can criticize them for only liking people that carry the ball, but, you know, it's not our job. Well, you can't make somebody yeah. be into it if they're not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel the same way. And uh, yeah, so as far as starting on Sandbox, Sandbox I've never heard of. Um, I, <laughs> I guess that was, that was before my time. So I started playing IDP like 2010, so like around there. So yeah. uh, a, f- a few, still a while ago, but not nearly as long ago. Did you, were you ever into like just collecting the stats from a newspaper or something like that or what, or were they no, collected on the, on the internet? Okay. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I'm going to say no, but so before I was a football fan, I picked it up from a couple of friends at school, um, but they used to come in with a magazine that was called First Down, I believe it is. And it was a proper printed newspaper on cheap, horrible paper. Um, and mm-hmm. they used to come in that and, and sort of look at that every week. And there was like two guys in my school of a, you know, 100, 150 people or whatever. So no, I, it wasn't part of my experience, but I saw it. Yeah. Okay. That works. Um, so yeah, so I guess with you, yeah, having been in IDP since 98, I'm sure you might have an interesting uh, answer for this question, but I've, I've been asking all the, all the guests this, um, and I've got some interesting answers. So a lot of, a lot of common names that pop up as well, but, um, I was wondering who would you be putting on your Mount Rushmore? Um, of IDPs. So, uh, th- this can be 
you know, your most rostered players uh, over the years, your favorite players, the guys who have helped win you the most championships or, or even who you think the best for IDPs of, of uh, that time period are. So um, yeah, I'm excited for your answer, but who, who are your four IDPs that you'd be putting on uh, your Mount Rushmore? <laughs> it's a great question. And I, look, I, I wrote notes. I did thinking about this. I was on the train yesterday and I thought I was started writing stuff. So I'm going to go for different ways of answering this. So first one, going back to 1998, uh, my, my best IDP, it was like, you know, one player at each position. It was awful. It was a guy called Dwayne Washington, um, Steelers cornerback. Um, and he was awesome, man. Um, he, he absolutely rode me to victory that first year. It properly got me hooked. So 93 total tackles. I looked all this up. Um, five picks, um, 79 solos, pretty strong. He was just smashing it that year, man. So Dwayne Washington was my man. Um, so I'm going with him as cornerback. Um, second one, pretty obvious. I'm going to go JJ Watt because for most of the last decade, JJ Watt has just been a stud and he had two or three years, which were just ridiculous. So anytime you're a, you're a guaranteed hall of fame man and so, so far above your peers, then you're getting on my, um, Mount Rushmore. And in particular, because of that thing, he was so far against his peers. Um, normally every season in IDP, someone will be way out ahead, but it's very rare for it to be consistent the same player. And, and JJ Watt was that for four or five years. So, you know, he belongs up there. Um, I was thinking about going Aaron Donald, but I'm not going to go Aaron Donald. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Antoine Bethay. Uh, probably not a, a name that was supposed to come out. And again, it's that it's that consistency. Um, safety is enormously high turnover. Just year to year consistency. It's super super low. It's very very rare for any safety to have you know three top twelve finishes in his career. And Antoine Bethay uh, properly properly bucked that trend over the last twelve years. Depending on your scoring system, he's had something like seven, eight, or nine top twelve or top twenty four finishes. He's been awesomely consistent and we've got short memories right so he sort of stopped two years ago we go Bethay is, is out of the way we're not going to think about him anymore but by far the most consistent um, safety over that period so who have we got Dwayne Washington JJ Watt um, Antoine Bethay and last one I'm, let's go random I'm going to go for Chris Borland's 2014 season oh wow nice. <laughs> um, which is just a super good so for those I mean I can't believe 2014 can't believe it's seven years ago but let's do a reminder so 49 has had some injuries and Chris Borland the sort of third choice linebacker stepped up and, and became an every down player about halfway through the season and he balled out he was just all over the field, absolutely smashing people. The most absurdly efficient season. Where is it? I wrote it down here. He played um, 477 snaps, so less than half a season, um, and hit 92 total tackles. Tackle efficiency of 17%. So for a linebacker, getting above 12 is pretty decent. 17% and a half a season is, is absurd. Most efficient yeah. tackler of the last decade at linebacker by some distance. And then he went, you know, I've got concussions. My head hurts. So I'm jacking it in. I'm going to retire. And I, I yeah. love him because he's such a pure encapsulation of, of that whole, um, my buddy Sticky calls it endowment, um, endowment summit. Anyway, he's got a clever term for it, which is basically you overvalue the people you own. So uh, Chris Ball is right. a great example because anytime you get an efficient tackling linebacker, and we'll talk about some today, the tendency is to go, oh yeah, he's going to do that forever. He, he's just one of those exception guys that just going to do that all the time. And of course it's not true, but Chris right. Borland is the most perfect distillation of that thing. Uh, so he's going on my Mount Rushmore. I like it. That's a good answer. I, yeah, I always forget about Chris Borland. And then when somebody brings him up, I just like, I'm immediately brought back to that season because 
after his first game of, of being a starter, I, I kind of traded him what I, what I thought was like a, a, his, his peak uh, and yeah. immediately regretted it after that because he was an <laughs> absolute monster. And of course, it was a dynasty league. So I was really worried about, you know, what he's going to look like for the future. Uh, he ended, obviously ended up retiring, but uh, it, it worked out for me in the long run. But for that season, yeah, Chris Borland would have helped me win a championship for sure. <laughs> um, Back then, yeah. the linebacker was... was- was easy. It was. It was. Um. Yeah. It was way more plentiful than it is now. So different yeah. world. Definitely. Yeah. And and yeah. JJ Watt, Antoine Bethay, Those are obviously great choices too. JJ Watt was has probably been the most common name to pop up because he was just so dominant. Um. And Antoine yeah. Bethay, Three receiving Antoine Bethay is still a hero. Was- <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> um. And Antoine Bethay, I think uh, John Glosser put him on his uh, Mount Rushmore as well for the same reasons. It just didn't matter what team he went to. He was going to be an IDP superstar uh, to the point where he's still getting drafted in leagues. I still see him (laughs) getting drafted every (laughs) once in a while. Uh, But uh, yeah, Dwayne Washington, not a name that I remember, but I I definitely appreciate that. If, you know, a guy can help you win a league, that's that's the key. He's, so, you, yeah. you always remember your first, right? And he was my exactly. he was my first stud IDP. <laughs> nice, I like it. Awesome. So, yeah, another good list. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of of JJ Watt, somebody that you've had on your um, Mount Rushmore of, of IDPs, we might as well get into these uh, free agent signings that have that have taken place over the the course of this off season so far. And uh, at the top of the list, we're just going to kind of go through. Each team, we got about 15 teams, not every single team in the league. Not everyone had an IDP relevant uh, signing at free agency. And there were a lot, but we've picked out kind of some of the more notable ones anyways uh, mm-hmm. to talk about. So we'll start things off with the Arizona Cardinals signing JJ Watt for two years, 28 million. Uh, first time in 10 seasons that he is not on the Houston Texans. So what were your thoughts on uh, JJ Watt landing with the Cardinals? I mean, anytime you see a Hall of Famer move team, that's exciting, right? Sure, yeah. he's he's sort of getting towards the end of his career, but last year he still put up crazy numbers. He needed a lot of playing time to do it, but I mean, he can do it. That, that's part of his game. Um, super interesting. So the the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I think sort of summertime perception of what JJ Watt's going to do is probably going to be quite different. So at the moment you go on Twitter and talk about JJ Watt, you'll get the normal thing. Any defensive edge rusher that's sort of above six foot five and 270 pounds twitter will go oh he's going to move to the middle he's going to play defensive tackle um because everyone loves doing that i don't know why for the same reason that pro bowl teams are crammed full of pass rushes i suspect right. anyway everyone wants to it wouldn't happen but it's just sort of not true uh and the same thing the same people have believed that jj watt has been an interior player and he hasn't really played that since about 2011 and it's right. just not true so I, I look at that team and go the cardinals have loaded up on edge rusher absolutely they've got a bunch of players there chandler watt jj watt marcus golden um zach allen i don't hate uh dennis gardeck is there a lot of people like him devon canard there's a load of good players i don't think that means the cardinals are playing fancy football and going oh we're gonna get all these guys on the field at the same time i, I think they're gonna stay with sensible defenses because playing fancy football in real life NFL is a good way to get absolutely gouged. So I, I think JJ Watt is is pretty much going to stay playing where he is. Um, the cards certainly last year played a lot of 
four three under and over bases. So basically, having three pass uh, three edge rushes. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not on the field at the same time. So in those sets, JJ Watt might play. I, I don't want to say interior, but not on the edge. Edge, if that doesn't sound stupid. I sort of want to draw, right. draw a diagram. So if anybody wants to talk about it, <laughs> hit me up. Um, I, I do not think he's going to be a full-time interior player. Um, so that's good news for him. The bad news is how much is he really going to play? With all those guys on the field, there's just a limited number of available snaps. So even if he plays, what, 100, maybe 200 snaps on, on the inside, it's really difficult to see JJ Watt playing more than 700 snaps. Um, and, and that's just not very much. That that probably means he's going to be, struggle to be more than a, a low um, edge two. So I'm a little bit worried about him. I, he's JJ Watt, so I, I'm still a believer, and he's clearly going to have some big weeks. But I, I feel we may have missed the opportunity to get proper value for him. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like he, people still remember him as this dominant JJ Watt, but he, he hasn't been that for a few years now. And, and we've started to kind of see the decline in, in his dominance uh, at the line still, so still shows it from time to time. Like he still looks really good, but 76.6 pass rush grade in, in 2020. It's not the JJ Watt of old from like 2011 yep. to 2015, where he was the most dominant player uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, he, he was putting up huge pressure, sacks, tackles, forced fumbles at a ridiculous rate. We're not going to get that anymore. And and you mentioned, you know, playing that kind of uh, interior uh, role, like over top of the tackle, basically. What with the, like maybe a stand up pass rusher outside, I think is is kind yeah, of the, yeah, yeah, the Agreed. idea, right? He's not going to yeah. be lining up in, in the A gap, is he? I mean, that's no. <laughs> not going to happen. Not for not for more than a handful of snaps. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, yeah, and like you said, he hasn't done that since like the very beginning of his career, basically yeah. like 2011, 13, uh, were the last time he really did that. He doesn't do that anymore. Interior for him is like that kind of Zach Allen role that that uh, the Cardinals mm-hmm. had last year, where he was I, I lined totally up over agree. the time. Yeah, he's a so, massive upgrade on Zach Allen, obviously. But Zach Allen was oh yeah. most of the time outside the tackle last year, and, and right. you know because he's quite big, he's what 250, 260 pounds. People sort of look at him and go, "Well, he's an interior player," and, and very few right. people, because most people have got much more social lives than the likes of us, um, sort of you know check where people are actually going. Zach Allen was wasn't edge rusher. He lined up yeah. on the edge of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, that's what he is. And I, I think like part of it is kind of wishful thinking because the Cardinals defensive line does lack that interior player, like a, a, an actual yeah. uh, good three tech or somebody like that. But um, yeah, I, he played over a thousand snaps last year, JJ Watt uh, in the regular season. So it, it's hard to believe that that's going to happen again. He's He only did that three Strong times in his entire regular season career. So if we're betting over under on a thousand snaps, I'd be betting heavily on the under, uh, like you said. Um, because yeah, there's there's a yep. decent amount of edge rushers there that that could come in and play and and rotate in and out. So as much as it as much as it uh, isn't the worst landing spot for JJ Watt, I mean, to I think we got to temper expectations a little bit. I have him right now, like as far as defensive end goes, around the the twenty ishes, like in, inside that spot, and and even that might be um, a bit high just looking at some of the other names, but. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it'll I be interesting. Even lower than that, uh, to okay. be honest, and, and I'm, I feel guilty about it. I, I sort of <laughs> want to move him uh, higher up. I'm just, but I'm, I'm also thinking Marcus Golden and is going to get on yeah. the field at some point. Um, so I'm, I'm just struggling to find enough volume to justify me having him as top twenty player. Twentieth, yeah. yes, absolutely. That won't be a surprise at all. But you know, top twelve, that would be a surprise to me. 
Top 12 would definitely be a surprise. Yeah, that, that means we're probably getting like a J.J. Watt resurgence uh, in, in, at 32 yeah. years of old, 32 years of age, sorry. So it seems unlikely. Um, it'll be interesting to see him on a new team. But yeah, I, to see him playing a thousand snaps and putting up these huge numbers again, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. All right, so we're in agreement there. Um, we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so they signed Hassan Reddick uh, this offseason. Hassan Reddick coming off his best season with the same Arizona Cardinals that we just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, what do you have? 12 and a half sacks, I think it was, right? And this was the result Something of him, like yeah, playing. Previously was was playing an off-ball linebacker role for the Cardinals, which everybody said wasn't his natural role, which is true. He played more uh, as an edge rusher at, at Temple in college, mm-hmm. and he gets moved to that spot more of an, more out of necessity than anything else, I think. Um, with with Chandler Jones, remember going in his down. rookie year, as a rookie, started playing off-ball linebacker, and then everyone got injured, so he had to switch position halfway through, and he was right. terrible. You know, yeah. obviously he was a rookie and he was undersized. He was really bad. Yeah. And then they sort of moved him back to off ball and he was pretty rubbish for two seasons. And then they eventually thought, oh, we'll give you some snaps there because everyone else is hurt. Um, and, and and then he bullied some bad players. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, that, that's what it was, right? He he took advantage of bad players. He, his 12 and a half sacks. So I actually looked into who he was beating on those, on those sacks. And there's no... There's not a single name on here that's that's a that's an impressive name to beat. So TJ Hawkinson was one. He's a tight end. Had a 50.6 pass block grade last year. Uh, Brandon Knight and Connor McGovern both in the mid to late 50s in uh, pass block grade. Uh, Matt Pert, Andrew Thomas twice, and Kevin Zeitler. So those are New York Giants players. He had five sacks against the Giants. Uh, Kevin Zeitler was the best of this group with a 68.7 pass block grade, but even that's not spectacular. And then it was like Cameron Fleming and Mike McGlinchey, who both had mid to high 50s in their pass block grade. And then he added three cleanup sacks and an unblock sack in that list as well. So you you look kind of when you zoom in on the numbers a little bit and kind of get some context of where those sacks came from and things like that, I think you could definitely expect some regression from Hassan Reddick this year, especially going to a new team in the Panthers who did have a pretty heavy rotation last year outside of Brian Burns. Extremely. Um, yeah. 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 And, and Marquise Haynes is still there. Somebody that they clearly liked last year. Um, or I don't know. They, he played a lot anyways, but Yutor Gross Matos was a second round pick for them the year before. He was somebody that they were trying to work into the rotation more. I'm sure they'll do the same thing again now that he's, you know, another yep. year in the league. But uh, yeah, Christian I guess I just there. he was a second round pick. Christian Remember Miller, him? right. Yep. Yeah. Out of Alabama, right? But he's sort of hanging around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's, you know, Alabama had one of those really long, skinny uh, sort of pass rushes <laughs> every year for a few years. Tim, what's his name, went to the Ravens. Anyway, I, I, I super agree with you on the rotation thing. The, you know, edge by committee is definitely becoming a thing in the NFL. It's spreading. It's getting much, much more popular. And the Panthers, being one of the more college defenses out there, are probably at the forefront of that. So last year, they were rotating. They had a good five edge players play significant snaps, sort of 15 plus every single week. Um, and you look at that rotation next year and you go, Brian Burns is probably going to lead the way. My money is on Yusuf Gross Matos 
coming second. You know, he was a second round pick last year. All rookies were terrible in 2020, but he's talented. He's an interesting guy. Sure, he might play a few snaps on the inside, but it's not going to be more than, you know, 100, 200, something like that. So maybe Harson Reddick's the third guy, but the third guy in a deep rotation. Mm-hmm. Most, most fancy leagues, you're expecting your edge to be consistently top 24. And that's, those two two things don't stack up. It, right. It's really unlikely. Sure, he's going to have a couple of big weeks, but it's just not reliable. Yeah, yeah, and and judging by his ADP too, like just kind of looking at it, he was going as DL seventeen um, on sleeper, at, which is pretty high. That's you're, you're asking for DE two numbers from him then, and uh, yeah, we both agree that's not going to happen. He has the dual eligibility there as well, where he could be a linebacker. But if you're drafting him as a linebacker, expect him to play that off ball linebacker role again, especially in Carolina, who only had one. Uh, fantasy relevant linebacker per week, uh, it, unless you count Jeremy Chin, which I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, nope. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's. I think it's going to be a disappointing year for people who are who have high hopes for Hassan Reddick. It, it just it doesn't add up. It doesn't line up for for huge production again. Um, a Agreed. lot would have to go right. Injuries I've actually got a relevant like story for Harson mm-hmm. Reddick. Uh, this is where our lives coincide, not very much at all. So, um, day job, I work in um, media and advertising. And a couple of years ago, I worked with a car brand um, who had a sponsorship in the NFL. So, we were talking to Coach Aidan Dirt, um, who works for the Falcons now, but used to lead the NFL International Pathway. So, you know, they, they used to do this show, which basically get you a load of Europeans and they sort of do a documentary about them trying to make it on the International Pathways. Um, and we're having this conversation about providing some cars to do it, the sort of in-show uh, product placement stuff. And he was saying, yeah, well, the, the best player I've got coming through this year is an offensive tackle. He's this Aussie rugby player. And I was like, oh, is he going to fit in a car? I'm not sure we can do that. Is that going to look really weird? What, what is he, like six foot four, six foot five? And he went, no, 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 this guy's six foot seven, 330 pounds. And we're like, wow, that's not going to happen. And it was Jordan Mylasa, right? Um, the Australian rugby player, super talented, super interesting. But Harsom Ruddick, beat him up last last year beat him like a drum um so i mean it's great if you can play someone like that every week you probably can't yeah yeah that's the thing like uh, you know uh, uh, even with these pass blocking grades and stuff like that for offensive linemen these are still big huge players they're still winning the majority of their reps um so a lot has to go right for you to be able to land a sack as well um and yeah, I mean, unless injuries happen with the with the Panthers and, you know, he does get that starting role again, even still, even still, I just don't feel great about Hassan Reddick. It just feels like a, a big time re- regression candidate for me. Agree. Um, can I ask you a question on that? Actually, sure. this is off script, uh, but I think it's really interesting. So you mentioned um, sort of most of the time offensive linemen are winning, and you're totally right. So PFF data, right? If you look at pass blocking efficiency, then 95% win rate is seen as pretty low. That that means you are struggling uh, as an offensive lineman if you're getting beaten one in 20 snaps. So what happens? And this happens quite a lot for defensive backs as well. Um, fans of teams, you go play X is pretty rubbish as a let's say a left tackle and a cornerback, whatever, and they'll go no. no, no I watch every game and you know I, I, I rarely see him getting beaten so he's not that bad but if, if you're if your your lineman is winning 19 out of 20 snaps and that's still bad then just watching him fairly casually that's never going to come through right so do you think right. that that colors and flavors how we see players yeah I think so I, I mean people 
live in a world of highlight reels, right? So when an uh, offensive lineman gets beat badly uh, on a highlight reel multiple times in a game, like that's that's what people are going to point to for him being bad, right? But what they're not seeing is him, you know, doing a good job of, of maintaining a pocket or or holding up a, blo- uh, a pass rusher on any given play, and um, and that's considered a win for us, right? We don't we don't positively grade um, pass block linemen because them just not losing is considered a win. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, in small sample sizes and, and, you know, like, like I said, highlights, stuff like that, you can see an offensive lineman getting beat pretty bad um, multiple times a year. And that, that will, that will kill them. If they're, if they're losing early in their reps, I find that that that's what hurts their grades most of all. Um, But being able to, you know, maintain a block for, over three and a half seconds is, is a key for a good offensive lineman. Like if, as long as they're not getting beat really early on right off the snap kind of thing. Um, and that's, and most offensive linemen are pretty good at that. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Sorry to go off topic. What's the next team? Who are we talking about? So, uh, so we'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so speaking of kind of potential regression candidates, (laughs) we got Trey Hendrickson signing a four year, $60 million deal. What, I, I what should apologize as well. So, um, our, our buddy Mike Waller, I know you know him. Um, he, he's a big yeah. name in IDP. Always is mean to me because I'm horrible about every player. Um, and it, it's true. <laughs> uh, it's right. I am horrible about most players. But in the summertime, I, the biggest problem we have in IDP is everyone goes, "Oh, this guy was really good last year, so he's going to be really good right. next year." And that's just not true. Or he wasn't really good, but look, all these things have happened well for him, so he's going to be good. Most of the time, that's wrong. So guarding against that is more important. It's more accurate than trying to find lightning strikes. All right, so Trey Hendrickson, great. Um, he, he played quite a lot last year. Uh, I can't remember how much, but um, he certainly got in the field a lot more. He was in there ahead of Marcus Davenport, which is really good. Had a really good season, piled up the pressures. Um, but I, I think he had about 50 pressures last year off the top of my head, something like that. So not great. He had a crazy finisher rate. Um, I think he was finishing close to 30% of all his pressures. And that is just yeah. not sticky. So... I, I'm sure you've looked at this uh, just as much as I have, but we we tend to believe that certain pass rushers are just really good at finishing. And the classic example here is Chandler Jones on one side, who consistently finishes loads of his pressures, and the other side is Brandon Graham, who never finishes any of his pressures at all. So we like to believe that is a, a tenet of the player, and they can do that year after year. So when Trey Hendrickson has really high finisher rate, you go, well, he's just good at it, so he can do that again. But but it's not true. This is what his fourth year in the league, and he's never shown that ability before at all. Um, so I, I reject the fact that he suddenly got really good. I think he had a year where he played much much more, and he happened to get pretty lucky, successful, efficient, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I like him next year. I think he's interesting. I think he turns up to the Bengals, and he should be in for a pretty high wodge of playing time. So I've got him as low end. Um, sort of DE2, uh, 23rd, 24th, something like that. Um, and he's certainly going to have some good weeks. I, I really struggle putting him any higher than that. Yeah, that's about where I have him. I think at right now, DE25. Um, so right around there, just maybe outside the DE2s. And yeah, yeah. he did. He played a lot last year, um, but it was still, it wasn't in comparison to other edge defenders. He So he played 586 snaps, which was 56th most among all edge defenders, yeah. right? So he was extremely efficient, like you said, um, in, in converting his, his pressures and his pass rush snaps to sacks. And what we've seen from Hendrickson in his career 
is a guy that's graded in the low 60s for pass rush grade. You know, he jumps to having a nice 77 uh, pass rush grade this year. But judging by the evidence and stuff like that, it could be more of an outlier than anything else. Um, you Strong know. agree. Yeah. Cool. But the volume can make up for it. I mean, you, you don't need to be that good if you're on the field. Uh, this is really interesting at pass rush in particular. So the, the highest correlation in terms of defense between how good you are in inverted commas and how you perform as an IDP is pass rush, right? It's right. the one place where if you are better than other people, you are going to get to success. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really true for, for many other factors. Um, so one of the things that I struggle with a little bit is is how you can how you can identify efficiency versus non-realistic efficiency. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you see a player come out and have a first really good season, you get as a breakout. You know, that he's shown he's a really good player. I trust him being that good going forward. Nick Bosa as a rookie two years ago, was absurdly efficient. Uh, he had, what, 90 pressures or something stupid. Yeah. It was a massive number, 80 maybe. <laughs> yeah, 80. Um, and we sort of go, he's really good, right? So I, I'm pretty sure he's there. Part of that is just reinforcing our priors, but part of it was just, he was excellent. And then you look at someone like Hendrickson and go, yeah, it was really efficient. We've just both said it. He didn't play that much, but he got a load of sacks. That should be a good thing. But we're also both saying we don't expect him to continue with it so right. uh, it's, it's a gray area it is yeah and and like you said like the volume is going to be there in cincinnati they you know they have sam hubbard who's not really this elite pass rusher um they they, they brought in a couple edge defenders in the draft joseph osai and uh, cameron sample but you know those guys aren't going to get this huge amount of playing time from the from the get-go so it's going to be Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, most likely. Um, Carl, oh, Carl Lawson. Bad defense. Yeah, it's not going to be good. <laughs> Carl Lawson was there last year and played just over 700 snaps, I think. So mm-hmm. even that, like that's it's it's a good amount. That's kind of what you want from your starting uh, edge defenders. But it's not close to the days of like Carlos Dunlap and Michael Johnson when they were there playing like <laughs> 900 to 1,000 snaps each um, with maybe yep. some Wallace Gilberry sprinkled in as well. But um it's still going to be good volume, but yeah, like we've said, you know, to expect that kind of, I think it was second in the league in, in total sacks around there, 13 and a half or something. Yeah. Not going to happen again. It's is insane. It? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. So it's uh D yeah. D two low end D two, I think makes a lot of sense for Trey Hendrickson this year, just yep. based on the opportunity, but also expecting some regression there. All right. So the next team on the list, pretty interesting one, uh, the Cleveland Browns, a lot of changes to the defense uh, this offseason, bringing in a lot of players. They So they signed John Johnson for three years, 33.75 million. Uh, they brought in Jadavion Clowney for one year, 8 million. And they brought in Anthony Walker, one year, 3 million as well as Tack McKinley one year, 4.25 million. So those are kind of four players right there that I think are interesting for IDP. They also brought in Troy Hill and and Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith actually played a lot last year as well. Um, But yeah, it's figuring out what the Browns defense is going to look like this year. So Joe Woods is the defensive coordinator. Um, He was last a defensive coordinator for the Broncos in 2017 and 2018. And he ran a ton of dime uh, defense over there with the Broncos. So third most dime personnel packages in the league with Denver at like 33.8%. So we saw safety for the Broncos um, being relevant Uh, in that time. It was Justin Simmons, Darian Stewart and Will Parks, I believe um, were the three kind of names, but it was only really one IDP relevant linebacker as well. Right. So it was either Brandon Marshall or Todd Davis, depending on which year it was. Uh, So, 
Joe Woods has said that he wanted to play more dime last year, but because of injuries and stuff like that, it didn't happen. He's saying it again this year. And it's, (laughs) it's interesting. I don't know whether to believe it or not, but looking at what he did with the Broncos um, and playing three safeties on the field and one linebacker, it doesn't match up with what they did last year at all. They played a ton of linebackers uh, throughout the year. So it's, it's kind of mixed signals. I I don't know what to expect. I'm definitely interested in hearing what, what your thoughts are, but I, either way, I think John Johnson's going to be a full-time starter for this defense a hundred percent, but the rest of it is going to be tough to figure out here. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they're, they're probably the, most hyped defense in the league uh, this offseason. Everybody's thinking the Browns are going to suddenly be great because they, they hired a, a bunch of big names and you know a couple of those are pretty good and they're all decent signings. I, I believe it. I, I've certainly got them in my top you know, eight defenses, something like that. I, I believe in them. I think they're going to be good. I'm not sure it's going to be great IDP team whatsoever because the two obviously not the same thing fine you've got Miles Garrett who's going to be a stud because he just is a stud Um, outside of that are we going to see any stars I'm not sure so let's start with John Johnson I agree with you Um, I think he's he's the only safety I trust to play every snap so Ronnie Harrison is is a bit of a one dimensional box hitter he's fine he can do that he's not going to be out there playing 1100 snaps because extra game this year we're looking at 1100 snaps A he's not that good B um, the sort of player he is he's more likely to get hurt so it's just gonna be really hard to rely on him all season long grant delpit is a massive question mark mm-hmm. he, he might be might not be i, I don't think is it's an obvious good partnership with john johnson i mean you could see those two as sort of a, as a classic too high shell playing a lot together i, I don't hate that but it, it doesn't fit with all the things we've just talked about mm-hmm. um being defense so so yeah i believe in john johnson i i think he's in that twilight zone that we always talk about so there's roughly six seven eight safeties who are differentiated and valuable at the top something like that and half of them are not going to be good safeties this year anyway right. but there's seven or eight guys i feel comfortable um thinking you can be better than everybody else and then there's like 40 guys who are in the next tier and all of them you, you might end up being that guy that plays every single snap and plays 1200 snaps and looks amazing jesse simmons marcus may you know, anyone on the jets in the last few years etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's probably not going to happen um and those guys just 10 a penny there's a load of them and mm-hmm. and you sort of doesn't matter very much. I think John Johnson's in that. So I've got him normally at 32, but he's probably not very many points. He's probably only a couple of points away from being 15th. So right. it's not really a big deal. I'm, I'm certainly not excited about him. What I think the most interesting one on this team is Anthony Walker. Yeah. A lot of people got a, love, a lot of love for Anthony Walker. They're like, they signed him. And my theory for this is Darius Leonard, who obviously is a stud, has sort of spent the last two years going, Anthony Walker's really good, yo. Um, and do people believe that? I don't know, because I think Anthony Walker's just a guy, really. I I don't think he's spectacular. I I look at this Browns linebacker core, Anthony Walker, JOK, who, you know, is a rookie and is going to be fairly unpredictable. Jacob Phillips, Ernie uh, Takitaki, who I quite like, but he's not very good. Malcolm Smith, Matt Wilson. I, I don't think there's a top 36 IDP on this roster. Now there will be some weeks, obviously, but at the end of the season, we're going to look down and we're going to go, all of the linebackers in Ohio are a bit rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was last year, right? It was, it was trying to figure out whether, you know, it was worth starting BJ Goodson every week or if Malcolm Smith might be somebody that you want to play, but it's, I think it's going to be the same thing. Like uh, there's, there's talk about Jacob Phillips 
moving into a, a full-time starting role um, this year. But what what is a full-time starting role in in the sense of of the Browns' defense? We don't really we kind of know what it was last year. Um, but yeah, I think Anthony Walker probably gets the most snaps of the group if I had to guess. But yeah, I've, I've got him down to most. I've got him down for circa nine hundred. Um, sort of mid-level LB2. I've got JOK down for 600-ish. Wouldn't be a surprise at all if that was up 750, but he's sort of outside relevant ITBs Mm -hmm. there. I I think he'll be nice by the end of the season. I I won't be starting week one anywhere. That's crazy. No, no. Yeah, Jeremiah Usukormo, yeah, he's... He's an interesting one. We talked about him a lot in the in the rookie podcast. Like he he played that weird overhang linebacker role in college and played a lot of slot corner, which we don't know if it's going to translate to the NFL because it's not really an NFL job. Um, But, you know, him playing in the box as a smaller linebacker where most of the fantasy points are going to come from, he he could struggle there potentially. He, you know, he's not exactly doesn't have the size and power to to overcome blocks uh, in the second mm-hmm. level and things like that. So it'll be, there's going to be a transition period. And I don't think Usukoromoa, as much as I like him as a pick for the Browns in the second round, it, it's, it's hard to imagine a year one um, impact from him. That's, you know, anything significant that we're starting him every week in IDP. Um, I agree. Um, that, that sort of classic thing and people go, Oh, they'll move him all over the field. Like that, that's some sort of cheat code, but for for IDPs at linebacker, the more time you spend doing anything apart from lining up at inside off off ball linebacker will ignore Mike uh, Will and Sam for the moment because they're yeah. nonsense. Um, the worst is if you're scoring. So you yeah. know, great for NFL terms if your guy can line up in the slot or play deep in safety or rush the passer. Brilliant. That's really exciting to see. It means he'll be a less good IDP in most leagues. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it makes sense, right? You just look at some of these guys that do get moved around. Um, and yeah, you're, you're, you want the guys that are stuck in the middle, they're playing in the box and they're playing against the run. They're absorbing tackles like Blake Martinez, who basically just does that one thing, Zach Cunningham, another one. Um, so yeah, at, but uh, yeah, and then on the edge, uh, it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Miles Garrett, like you said, obviously going to be the, the clear and away starter over there, but across from him, I believe it'll be Jadavion Clowney. I know the the Browns themselves have talked about wanting to get Tack McKinley on the field as well. All three of them at the same time. And again, this is another one of those things. Yeah, he sucks. I don't get it. Like I, as a Browns fan, like I was not excited about the Tack McKinley signing at all, especially hearing them like, hype him up a little bit too. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. We've seen what Tack McKinley is. And, you know, I think he had one year of production, which was fine. And, but like, we've had a larger yeah, sample size of him not being good yeah yeah exactly so I, I agree but you know why people like him he's got the trifecta he was first round draft pick um yeah. he's got a memorable name and he's got distinctive hair so right. when when his name does get called in the highlights package you can see him on the field and you go he must be good frankly jadavian clown he's got all those three as well yeah, um, yeah. and look how well he's he's held his uh, hype and his value over all these years of proving he's sort of a useful player but not very good actually I've got a bone to pick with you on Clowney um, sure. let's, let's get off Tank <laughs> McKinley because it's just depressing he's not very good no of um, course Jadavian Clowney so PFS point about Jadavian Clowney is not a great pass rusher but he's really good against the run and that is absolutely true because he's a penetrator in the mm-hmm. run game he gets past his man he gets in the backfield and he blows up plays which is really cool however I, I think people have sort of cottoned on to the first half and gone oh he's not a great pass rusher he's really good against the run but not 
why? So there's a bunch of people that think Jadavian Clowney is some sort of tree flowers super ed setter that's like perfect technique and never gets never gets pushed off his spot. And that's just not who he is at all. Right. Yeah, he's he's definitely got uh, a lot of talk about becoming like being a good run defender because of the PFF grades and stuff like that and not converting a ton of sacks. And but he does, you know, he grades decently as a pass rusher. Um, He's not bad. Like there's there's guys that do worse. Um, He's Mm -hmm. still an athletic freak that, you know, can win early. He's got good explosiveness. And I, I really do. I think Clowney's been hated on a little too much at this point now because you know especially with the zero sack season last year and you know he's always injured and blah 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 but if he gets a starting role across from miles garrett i think that helps him too miles garrett was the uh third yeah third among edge defenders in creating sacks for his um for his teammates last year so if he can do that again um you know maybe that helps Clowney, especially somebody like Clowney who can um use his power and and win late in reps as as well uh i think it could be a bounce back year for for jadevian clowney but uh, you know the talk of getting him mckinley and, and garrett on the field at the same time like i don't think that makes sense i don't know why you would want uh to think of tack mckinley as this weapon that you want to try to utilize because I, I think it makes sense that it'll be garrett Malik jackson andrew billings and yeah clowney but tack mckinley is you're right he is depressing and we keep coming back to him but <laughs> um yeah, it'll be interesting. Where do you, where would you have um, Clowney this year among defensive ends? So I've got Clowney at the moment at 28, um, okay. which feels okay. If, if he sneaks in to be a bottom half uh, DE2, I, yeah, I won't be surprised by that at all. But I, I also won't be shocked at all if he's outside that 24. I, right. I sort of think it's going to happen. So, you know, he'll probably have a few good weeks. Now, those three or four good weeks he has, you won't have started him. Right. And you'll see those 30 points in your bench and be annoyed and, and remember it because it's Jadavian Clowney. So I, I think he's, he's sort of a guy with a lot more name value than IDP value at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I, I have him in the same range, DE26 for me. Um, yep. I, I'm a little bit more hopeful on him this year, just you know, getting another shot with the Browns um, and be playing opposite Miles Garrett because of those sex created numbers that that I found. But I mean, yeah, like you said, easily could see him falling way out of that range as well, just based on, you know, past production and, and things like that. Yep. So can we talk about one more Browns uh, lineman who I'm sort of sneaky interested in, Jordan sure. Phillips, mm. uh, second year interior pass rusher. So obviously he was pretty bad in 2020 because all rookies were absolutely terrible last year. Um, all defense was terrible and all defensive rookies were absolutely terrible yeah. apart from about three. Um, I think Jordan Elliott is sneakily exciting because Malik Jackson's a very good player. He's had a very yeah. good career. It's not getting any younger. I think Jordan Elliott could really have that year to step up. So no, I don't think he's going to be a sort of top eight interior Russia stud. Do I think he's going to be a consistently good player? Yeah, I, I think decent chance of that. Yeah, I like that. I like him as kind of like a deep sleeper in those like DT required leagues. Um, I think that makes perfect sense with, yeah, Malik Jackson's getting older. Uh, Andrew Billings was an opt out last year. We, we, we haven't seen him on the Browns team uh, at all yet. So um, he's a bit of a lump. Yeah, right? that's, that's what he is. That's a good way to describe him. Um, you know, he he might be a starter, uh, Andrew Billings, but it could very easily be Jordan Elliott. They, they liked him coming out of LSU, I think it was. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm interested in him as well. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see because they felt good enough about releasing Sheldon Sheldon Richardson as well. So uh, who was good for them and he was a starter for them. Um, 
but yeah, obviously they feel comfortable in their, their younger players and uh, what they have there right now. So I could easily see Elliot getting on the field and yeah, being productive. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt this show for a quick ad break because Manscaped is back. Summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bot? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code big three IDP. If you're dealing with a little too much Devin Bush around your Fletcher Cox and Monte balls, then it's time to bundle up with the manscaped performance package 4.0 inside this package. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies first off the new performance package 4.0 includes the new lawnmower 4.0 this trimmer is insane and dare i say the goat of all ball hair trimmers yes i said it their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 rpm motor a new multi-function on off switch which can engage a travel lock and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave did i mention that this trimmer is waterproof too in the shower or in the wild and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro the lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you want to take your grooming game even further to the next level the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm power motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps you prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes so seal the deal with manscaped liquid formulations before heading outside use crop preserver ball deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat give your beach balls a boost and use crop reviver manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0 the manscaped boxers and the trap the shed travel bag so bring your comfort and boxers to another level so i think we can all agree that devin bush is a good thing for idp but too much bush in your downstairs, not so much. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG, the number three, IDP at manscaped.com. That includes free shipping to Canada and the UK, as well as the US, of course. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Okay, back to the show. 
All right. So the next team on the list, another kind of interesting defense as they transition to uh, a new defensive coordinator um, and an interesting signing as well. Dallas Cowboys uh, signed Keanu Neal uh, to a one year, four million dollar deal. Uh, they're calling him a linebacker, Tom. I'm curious what your take is on Keanu Neal in this Dallas defense. Yeah. I, a lot of people can disagree with us, whatever we hear here, right? Yeah. So, okay, I, I get that. So where I am at the moment is it's coach speak. Um, they they are very deep at linebacker. Um, so we got, I'm sure the top three guys are a bit muddled. Micah Parsons is a rookie. Um, Jalen Smith had a bad year last year and is overpaid for what years. Leighton Van Der Esch has got injury histories, but, but still they're all very good. Mm-hmm. or exciting or interesting when they're on the field. And I'm sort of not anti any of them. I, th- I think they're all going to get some time. Um, then they drafted Jabril Cox, who who is only a linebacker, uh, who's really interesting. Sure, it's fifth round uh, rookie, so you can't be that excited. But a fairly deep position, right? You've got options right. there. And then at strong safety, and we're talking Dan Quinn, so it's very much a strong safety. We're, we're looking at a box specialist here. They've got oh nobody at all. Because um, people think Donovan Wilson uh, is that guy, he's absolutely not. Donovan Wilson was a was a free safety last year. He, he's much better deep. It's just he had quite a few tackles because yeah. you know the Cowboys' defense was awful and reasons and all that stuff. He is absolutely not, in my humble opinion, a candidate to for the Cam Chancellor box banger role. I don't believe that at all. So you've got a load of good linebackers and you've got no one at strong safety. And then Dan Quinn's got the guy who's been his consistent strong safety for the whole of his career. <laughs> Seems like a pretty obvious solution to me. I, obviously, we need to watch it in camp. We need to listen to all the coach speak. We need to see what they do in preseason. But it just seemed, you know, this is a Occam's razor. Um, when you have multiple possible explanations, let's go for the simple one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Right. You see the signing and you're like immediately, okay, this is the strong safety in Dan Quinn's defense. It's the strong safety, like you said, that's been in Dan Quinn's defense. And as, yeah, I was I was excited about Donovan Wilson for a short period of time too, like looking at his numbers and stuff like that. But the, as you dive kind of deeper into it, it's easy to see like Keanu Neal is the clear option there. I, it just doesn't make sense that yep. they would sign him, bring him in, you know, as one of the more um, like hotter safety free agents that was that was out there. Um and then not use him. So it doesn't make sense that he's a linebacker to me. Maybe he plays that every once in a while from snap to snap, but he's going to be, I think the strong safety on the team. Uh, It just makes too much sense. I I don't understand kind of this, you know, Keanu Neal is going to play weak side, whatever talk, but yeah, there's too many If there wasn't many linebackers in Dallas to, to kind of, um, start over him, then maybe there's more of a conversation there, but yeah, like you said, (laughs) Yeah, they got Jalen Smith. They drafted Micah Parsons 12th overall. Van Der Esch is a first round pick for them. You know, even if he's not, not healthy all the time, if he's on the field, he's going to, he's going to be playing. So it, it'll be interesting. The Cowboys, um, they, you know, having Dan Quinn come in, he does run traditionally like single high coverages, cover three, cover one stuff. Yep. So they'll have that, uh, box safety role and Keanu Neal should be productive, uh, in that role. Um, He's also Dan Quinn is is uh, blitzing his his players a little bit more as well uh, as he's kind of gone on in his NFL career, which is um, could be interesting too if you know they're using Keanu Neal in blitz packages or something like that. Micah Parsons is another candidate for that, I would think, um, just going by his pass yeah, rush numbers. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't we think there's the whole for Donovan well. Wilson. There, there is a sure. Uh, sorry, um, uh, just want to talk about the three linebacker thing. So. 
one of those other sort of summertime chat things, people go, oh, they've got, you know, there's a, a third of Dallas fans go, oh, Jalen Smith is terrible now. We're going to drop him. I mean, he was terrible all last <laughs> yeah. year and they played him every snap, but, you know, now he's dead. He's never going to play again. A third of them go, Leighton Van Der Esch has, has got broken back. He can never walk again. Okay. Well, it's weird that the Cowboys aren't trying to get some money back and put them on some sort of list. Anyway, whatever. But okay. Some of them believe that. And the other third go, oh, we can get all three of them on, on the field at the same time. And, you know, that, that's just suicide, right? We're, we're talking about defense, which is fundamentally yeah. reactive. If you try putting three off-ball linebackers out, the offensive coordinator will go, great, I'll just roll out four little receivers and two speedy guys in the slot and I will have you for breakfast. <laughs> so it's, it's not going to happen. It's not a viable approach. Yeah. Yeah, even Pete Carroll's learning that too. <laughs> was somebody that would run a ton of base defense and and have three linebackers on the field, and he they just they killed him. They they destroyed him in that way. So um, didn't work. Yeah, he's still doing it a lot, but uh, it's less and less. And I, yeah, I can't imagine that all three linebackers are getting on the field at the same time. And I, yeah, I still believe in Jalen Smith too. Like, I mean, they they gave him this big contract. As much as his PFF grades and stuff like that didn't show well last season, he's still a pretty athletic and and good linebacker in comparison to some of the other linebackers in the NFL, which is, you know, what you're, you're, you're asking for in these guys. So yeah, Keanu Neal, strong safety. I think, you know, the most, for me anyways, the most relevant linebackers in Dallas are going to be Jalen Smith and Micah Parsons, the way I see it this year and Leighton Van Der Esch should get on the field, but We'll see, you know, if he can stay healthy. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be wor- too concerned about Jalen Smith just right. yet. Yeah, it just feels that way. I mean, yeah, mostly I just want that whole Dallas linebacker situation. Sorry, right. dude, yeah. delay. Um, mostly I want that Dallas linebacker situation to be someone else's problem. I, I just don't really want to gamble on it either way because I'm, I'm not confident in any of them. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good way to look at it, especially this year. Um, you know, maybe next year when Leighton Van Der Esch is not on the team anymore, it's it's a clearer picture. But yeah, mm-hmm. this year it's going to be a little bit muddy. Um, I still like Micah Parsons and, and Smith, but it's they're definitely not somebody that I'm reaching for in drafts or anything like that. All right. Uh, the next team on the list is the Detroit Lions. So the Lions, ah. <laughs> one of the best defenses in the NFL, right? Um, yeah. They, <laughs> they were, I mean, you know, my point of view that the, the Lions defense in 2020 was the worst NFL oh, yeah. defense in, in living memory. Certainly in, in the decades that I've been watching uh, defense, um, they were utterly atrocious and and I feel bad for them because Matt Patricia okay he did a terrible job and it went badly but you could see what he was trying to do he he, he was ambitious and he had a vision for his defense right. he just couldn't pull it off but I'd, I'd rather at least it tried rather than some teams in the NFL um, the Bills and the Colts spring to mind that, that rolled out the most vanilla mm-hmm. defense in 2020 they possibly could with nothing exciting going on and it wasn't terrible but it wasn't good either yeah. so you know fair play Patricia you, you tried you were terrible but you got to go back to new england so i'm sure he's happy yeah, yeah i'm sure he is too um yeah they they tried they ran like a ton of man man coverages over there um i think the most in the league at that point and they just didn't have the bodies the personnel to do it um and that yeah, yeah. that crushed them but they do bring back one player that was a success for them last year and that's romeo aquara uh they give him a nice three-year 37 million dollar deal um 
He had 10 sacks, which was seventh among edge defenders last year, and 61 pressures, which was tied for fifth among edge defenders last year. So pretty good numbers mm-hmm. there that line up decently well. Uh, the Lions will also get Trey Flowers back, um, who is a decent edge player himself, um, but I think a lot of people have forgotten about him. Yeah, I, I'm a Trey Flowers believer still. There's there's talk of them moving to more of like a 3-4 base look, which will probably affect yeah their positional designations on sites, which is always a, a, a bummer. But but um, still a big believer in in flowers and and Aquara too. I I, I have Aquara right now. Maybe this is high, but DE fourteen for me. Um, so he had a twenty seven and a half pass rush win rate on true pass sets last mm-hmm. year. So fifth among edge defenders, he was actually doing some nice stuff on the field, and um, you know the data and the numbers shows well for him it was definitely by far and away his best year um so it could very easily be an outlier for him uh it but i do like that he's back on the same team uh he gets some a little bit more help along that defensive line in uh trey flowers they bring in some big um pocket pushing interior players in the draft uh so (laughs) oh yeah that was obviously a big focus for them so maybe that helps a little bit as well but uh yeah curious what do do you think about uh, romeo aquara coming back to detroit i mean as we talked about before i think he's a really good example of of how difficult it is to spot a breakout player versus someone who had an an Mm outlier season so absolutely agree with you he he ticked everything last year he played really well on the field and he turned that into really efficient numbers Mm -hmm. so you sort of look at that and go well it matches up i I definitely think he had a better all-round season than trey hendrickson did i I thought it was a better player you didn't get the hype because he was in detroit and they were terrible and blah 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 but i thought he had a better season however i'm still a little bit scared around so this is what i looked at earlier 61 pressures you mentioned before from 424 pass rush snaps last year so 14 percent pressure rate pretty impressive mm-hmm. 14% um, is, is really cool in his four previous seasons combined he had 1120 pass rush snaps um, and 92 pressures so about one and a half times what he got last year an 8% pressure right. rate so we can believe that something happened last year that suddenly made him a much better player um, a few things could be the case maybe learned and trained and got much better uh, maybe you know playing on that really bad team and sort of being able to rush uh, I, I don't know there's a bunch of different ways you could explain that away and I don't know which one is, is which I'm guessing a little bit the question is how much opportunities to get this year um, and I think you're right to talk up the scheme a little bit because I look at the players on that line front and just go the personnel you've got still really looks like a team that wants to play a lot of hybrid fronts um, in that classic Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia style, they're not three four team. They're not a four three team. They just play a load of different uh, fronts based on on what they see on offense. And and I struggle to believe it's anything apart from that going forward. I mean, we'll see. I want to see them actually on the field. But I, I look at all the players involved then and go, we're going to have to do a bunch of different things. I, I'm not sure I can trust you to just be out there doing the same thing all season long. I mean. Romeo Cora's got his little brother breathing down his neck right. for a start. Julian was a high draft pick a year ago. We think he's going to be better. Trey Flowers is a classic hybrid player. Sure, he's an edge rusher, but you know he's he's one of the least uh, sell out your your responsibility and go after the quarterback edge rushers in the entire league. Yeah. He's just very very sound and very solid. So I I don't think you can look at this like a classic three four front and go he's got two edge rushers who are just bombing after the quarterback every single time. Um, but the, clearly there's going to be a bit of that. So I'm, I'm a bit lower on Aquara than you. I've got down for seven sacks next year, you know, six, 700 sort of um, snaps. 
which is okay. I've I've got him probably as high end D three, mm-hmm. something like that, or edge three, depending on sure. how your your league categorizes him. Um, obviously, if he's a linebacker, that's really going to hurt him. So, I. I've made the case, I think, there that there's lots of reasons why I do like him. I think he can be good. Do I want it to be trusting him to do that on my team? Absolutely not. And I just don't have a lot of shares. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I could see it. Yeah, either way with him, we don't know exactly what kind of defense um they're going to run there in detroit it's it's new head coach new defensive coordinator so until we actually see it i mean it's anybody's guess you could look at personnel and 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 try to figure out what's going to happen there but um yeah and i do still like uh, julian aquara as well um but he didn't play at all last year but you know if if they can get him onto the field as well uh, it should be interesting it'll be maybe another rotation there um but uh yeah i i guess i'm i think you're right I think they're just going to throw a load of linemen at the wall and, and see what sticks here. Right. And Romeo Carr is probably the second best pass rusher on the team. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically, long way of saying, I don't know. I think this one's a bit vague <laughs> and a bit difficult. So I haven't really got any strong takes on it. Yeah, it's the Lions. Most people are going to avoid them anyways. Um, but yeah, if you're... <laughs> if, uh, I'm probably pretty high on Okwara. Um, yeah, and I... Should probably move him down my ranks, I guess, actually, now that I think about it and yeah, hearing your insight. And um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with them this year, but um, it'll be an interesting defense. Can't be much worse than they were last year. I mean, literally cannot. <laughs> they were they were terrible. Yeah. I mean, we should go back to the point. Defense was was terrible across the board last yeah. year, but the, the worst defenses last year, the Lions, the Raiders, the Jags, um, the Vikes were, were down there mm-hmm. as well. And they were historically bad defenses. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So we'll head to Green Bay. Uh, another, this is one of the more recent signings. Uh, they brought in Devondre Campbell, a uh, linebacker for one year, $2 million. And uh, previously it was just Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin on their depth chart heading into this year. So what did you think about uh, Devondre Campbell uh, signing with uh, Green Bay recently? Um, I'm going to be a bit negative sure. about him. I think Devondre Campbell, again, is one of those guys who's got a very recognizable name, who's been a good IDP. Yeah. He's been very efficient for the last two years running as a tackler, and he's got recognizable haircut. Um, so I, I think people are going to overrate him a little bit. Um, is he significantly better than Chris Barnes or Kamal Martin? I'm not sure. Maybe. I, I think this is going to be a real preseason to watch. Um, if one of those guys separates himself and is clearly the guy, brilliant. It'll be time to jump on. But where I'm at the moment is everyone's sort of shooting their shot on those three and a bunch of, they're all going relatively late, right. and relatively affordable, but it's only affordable if your guy happens to get that job, two jobs. I don't know if there's going to be one or four, two full-time linebacker jobs yeah. there. So very risky. Um, I, I, I think I probably side with being a bit conservative here and I'll end up with all three of those guys outside top 36 linebackers, um, but I'll be wrong on one of them. Right. Okay. I just don't know which yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because yeah, Campbell hasn't been this great NFL player. Um, if he does have a strength, it's probably just in his tackling uh, a 76.4 tackling grade since uh, 2017 and he's just missed like 6.6% of, of his tackle attempt. So really good there, but everywhere else he's kind of a liability. Uh, he's, I, if I had to put money on it, it cause I do get asked, I've been asked this a few times. I would say probably Devondre Campbell gets the start. Um, 
but it's 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 hard because we don't know again what kind of defense uh, the Packers are going to run this year. They brought in Joe Barry uh, over from the Rams, who uh, they they ran a ton of dime last year. The Packers did like the most in the league, forty nine point seven percent. So it was yeah, yep. crazy amount. Only w- which led to only one IDP relevant linebacker week to week. Um, we don't know if that'll be the case this year. Probably less so this year than than last year, but we'll see. Um, Chris Barnes was the guy, but he didn't grade out really well. He wasn't particularly good. He was just really efficient uh, when he was on the field. He was putting up big time uh, tackle numbers on low numbers of snaps, basically. So uh, it, it's him, Kamal Martin, who's decent in coverage. Um, he's you know, but again, yeah, it's a small sample size. He was a rookie, fifth rounder. There's really not a lot of guys that are, are going to be great. And, and Devondre Campbell probably doesn't help this defense overly uh, much, but they brought him in for, you know, a one-year deal. Maybe he wins the job in camp, maybe not. Right now, that's the way I, I could see it going. But uh, th- these are things can easily change. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Barnes again or, or Kamal Martin. But um, I'm probably just going to try to take a shot on one of them at some point in the draft and just yes. leave it at that. Yeah, if you... If you're really late in a very deep draft and one of those guys is sitting there and, you know, is the 45th linebacker coming off the board or whatever, cool, it's worth a shot. You just don't want to be trusting any of these guys, right? There's very different, there's a big difference between people you think are going to be a serious contributor who is worth investing assets in and people that may or may not because there's no point in trading for that or or drafting something high because if you're paying a lot of attention, there's going to be another four or five of those guys that arrive during training camp um, that you can spot. So why make the gamble now? Yeah, it's true. For sure. All right. So heading to the Texans, another linebacker group that (laughs) there's a lot of them. Uh, So the Texans signed Christian Kirksey to a one year, $3 million deal. Uh, But they also signed Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Neville Hewitt, Joe Thomas, Cam Grugier Hill, uh, and they have Zach Cunningham there. So they traded away Bernardrick McKinney. Um, you know, the, the immediate thought is that Christian Kirksey's going to play them the McKinney role next to Zach Cunningham, but I don't have a ton of confidence in that one either. Uh, Lovey Smith is the new defensive coordinator there. So <laughs> yeah. oh, I, every time I hear it's, this, it just makes me laugh. Right? Lovey Smith has, has run a defense, what, twice in the last eight years or something like that. He's just, he's not. The yeah, guy. And, I mean, what they remind me of, do you know how um, normally when you go to a, a season long draft um, and, or you talk about football with your buddies and free agency, and you've always got one buddy who thinks any player they've heard of with a recognizable name is, really good they're like oh yeah this team signed that guy and that guy and you go yeah cool but they were all good in 2016 so they're probably not anymore and the texans are run by a team by that guy um so you look at the players they've signed a bunch of running backs who were sort of good four years ago and a bunch of linebackers who've got a little bit about them but not something particularly special um and they're probably sitting there yeah they're all going to be fine and but they're all just going to be very average players so um is that kind of i agree with you last year didn't play any snap, uh, nearly every snap at all. He was just absurdly efficient. Not Chris Bordland, but absurdly. Um, I think he does this year and the rest of them. I'm, frankly, I, I like Kevin Pierre-Lewis more than Christian Kirksey. Um, Me too. Christian Kirksey is probably a better, safer, more reliable player. But Kevin Pierre-Lewis has got high upside because he's one of the, the few linebackers in the NFL that can legitimately play in the slot and that can right. run with various different weapons you're going to throw at him. So I, I think there's less chance of KPL working off. Uh, I think there's more upside if he does. Yeah, and I agree 100%. Like, 
Kevin Pierre-Lewis of this group, like none of them are really good coverage linebackers, but Pierre-Lewis has, has graded out well as a coverage player yep. for us, like 91 combined coverage grades since 2019. And with Lovey Smith bringing back his Tampa two coverages to the NFL, <laughs> you're, you're going to expect a right. middle linebacker mostly to drop deep into coverage, cover that deep middle of the field. Christian Kirksey, um, Neville Hewitt, those aren't those guys. <laughs> uh, so I, mean, I think Neville I Hewitt think, is just a yeah. uh, deeply average NFL player. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I mean, if that's what they're looking for, like maybe, maybe just, you know, Kevin Pierre Lewis can be their, uh, their guy that drops down into the the deep hole of the field and, and can play that role. Whoever it is, is going to get some really bad PFF coverage grades that much. I'm sure <laughs> of, uh, just because that's, you know, not an ideal spot for a linebacker to be covering, but, um, they also signed Gareth or, or drafted, um, Garrett Wallow from TCU, yeah. uh, this year is like a fifth round pick, but he, he was a strong coverage linebacker for TCU as well. So who knows there, there's some guys that can play that role maybe, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's going to be Zach Cunningham. And then we'll, we'll probably have to keep an eye out throughout camp to see who else is playing next yep. to him, uh, with the starters, but, um, it's, it's going to be week by week. You, you'll be able to find yeah. some guys who fill in random weeks from the Texans, but you, you're yeah. not going to be starting someone all, all season long. I mean, just your point about bad PFF grades. I, yes, I agree with you. They might look slightly better because Vernon Hargreaves looks like a starter for the Texans and anyone covering oh. on the same field as Vernon Hargreaves is, is going to look significantly better. That's a good point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Dire. He's still getting jobs. Yeah. These, it's funny. These guys that were like first round picks, they, they hang around, right? They, they get yeah. jobs because of their draft capital and it doesn't matter how bad they are really like tech McKinley um, and Vernon yeah. Hargraves are good examples of that. So yeah, that's true. He's going to get targeted at times. You've got some um, old football guy that goes, Oh yeah, he's talented. I can unlock that. And uh, yeah, right. good luck, man. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not, we're not coming off our priors in the pre-draft process. We had him as a first round grade and he's still that in the NFL, which is just not true. <laughs> Do you know what Lovey Smith's real first name is? I don't. Is Lovey? Not Lovey? Yeah, it is oh, Lovey, it is which Lovey. is an awesome name. <laughs> I, I just love the idea of a baby popping out and going, I'm going to call him Lovey. It's a brilliant it's name. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's cute. cute. It's, it's cute as like a child, but maybe not so much as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's head to Jacksonville now, who signed uh, Rayshon Jenkins to a big Pretty big deal, I think. Anyways, four years, $35 million um, with the Jaguars to come in and play safety for them. Uh, what were your thoughts on Jenkins going to the Jaguars? I, I sort of like it, actually. I'm, I'm fairly positive about this one. Um, so <laughs> Joe Cullen's taken over defense. Again, ex-Ravens. He spent like the last five years there. So I'm expecting quite a lot of one high and quite a lot of two high, but not a specialist box banger. So if we look at the Ravens, they they sort of tend to have one guy come down and hit a little bit more, but you know, we're not talking about Cam Chancellor, Keanu Neal. That's right. not just not going to happen. I look at the players on that team, Rayshon Jenkins, Jared Wilson, Andre Sisko, um, interesting mm-hmm. rookie, uh, Andrew Wingard, Josh Jones, Brandon Rusnak, who changed his name and messed up all sorts of databases. Um, I, I think, yeah, Rayshon Jenkins might be the best of those, but again, he's in that twilight zone. Um, if he stays fit and if he wins that job and if he stays in the field and plays 1100 snaps cool he might be he might be even up to a bottom end safety one but you know right. there's probably only five percent chance of that happening yeah yeah i agree um i i have jenkins as the most likely starter in 
if they were to use a kind of a box safety, yeah, um, which, too. you know, if you look at their personnel, it, it kind of makes sense. Jared Wilson and uh, Andre Cisco both. I mean, yeah. Andre Cisco, especially more of a typical free safety. Uh, Jenkins played a ton, a ton in the box last year. I th- yeah, totally think agree. It was- and in that case, it's Jenkins versus Andrew Wingard and Josh Jones, right? And you know, yeah, Rayshon Jenkins has been a much better player in the NFL, so I trust him a lot more than those two. Definitely, especially when you look at the contract too, right? It's a it's a yep. decent sized contract for Jenkins. He's a big cap hit this year and next year, so he's going to be on the roster. I imagine they put him on the field as a starter. Um, yeah, he's you mentioned like a big. Uh, chunk of safeties that can be effective um <laughs> he's definitely in that in yep. that list for me and yeah he can you never know he could have safety one potential week to week but depending on what that scheme is uh, in jacksonville with urban meyer and joe cullen um it it, it, it could fluctuate as well but yep. uh yeah this is why be, you can't it, trade safeties in dynasty leagues right because every single person in your team has got four guys like Rachel and Jenkins. And they were like, yeah, I'm set right. at safety. And the answer yeah. is, well, most of them are going to be safety 42 uh, at the end yeah. of the season. So n- none of you are set, but you know, everyone thinks their guys are better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So heading to Vegas, uh, the Raiders signed Yannick Ngakwe to a two year, $26 million deal. Um, Got rid of their basically their entire offensive line, and they brought in some defensive line players. They got Ngakwe. They brought in Solomon Thomas, who's another guy that hasn't been good but is getting jobs. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, Quinton Jefferson. Um, they signed Carl Joseph, Carl Joseph as well, but he's a safety. But yeah, Ngakwe again. It's not. It's no secret he's a pass rush specialist in the NFL. We know he's you know not like this great run defender. Um, so he's not going to be on the field on those early downs as much. Um, Cleveland Farrell is somebody that actually has been decent in run defense. It was one of his strengths, if that, uh, if he has any. Um, and Max Crosby. <laughs> I, know, I, I'm quite, not, I'm not a, I thought Farrell showed like a little bit last year. So the, the yeah. problem was before he got hurt, he, he was piling up decent pressure, but not getting any sacks at all. So everyone right. just thought he's still absolutely terrible as he was in his rookie year. And you know, he's nowhere close to the top guys in the, in the league. And I don't right. think he's really close to being the top 24 guy. But I, I thought he showed a little bit. Um, but I, I agree with the overall problem here. The, the Raiders have been one of the part, worst pass rush teams in the league under Gruden. Their, um, when was it? 2018 or 2019 was just absurd as a pass rush team. It was absolutely dying. They haven't got that much better. So they've got a load of guys, but I, I'm expecting to see Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, Yannick Ngakwe and Carl Nassib pretty much all get on the field every week. Um, yeah. And Yannick Ngakwe, exactly as you said, is really only going to be there as a specialist pass rusher because doing mm-hmm. anything else with him is asking for trouble. So can you expect him to play more than 500, 600 snaps? I don't think so. And that's that's knocking on the door for being the 50th uh, edge in, in the league in terms of playing time. So right. sure, he's going to be a bit more efficient turning those pass rush snaps into sacks, but maybe that gets him to, to 35 uh, something like that. He, he's not going to be a top 24 guy. He's not going to be reliable. Now, in best ball, love and get Quay. Um, yeah. Definitely a great pick for you, but you're not going to be able to start him every week. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, right? You're it's, it's, he's a best ball guy. I like that. And he's, if you're, you're drafting him, you're drafting him because you you're playing in this big play league where that rewards a ton of sacks. Um, 
and maybe he gets those, maybe he doesn't, but that's what you're drafting him for is sacks. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be curious to know, like, how do you have these edge rushers ranked in <laughs> in Vegas? Who would you take first? Uh, so I've, I've got Crosby first. Uh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, but let, let's get it yeah. out. I don't think Crosby is a very good player, but he, he does have the engine and the motor, and he has the ability to play at his typical level for a lot. Uh, and that's quite valuable as an IDP. So he'll be out there a lot and he'll sort of turn that into, right. into numbers. So useful, but I've got him down as what, 779 snaps. So okay. very borderline defensive end two, probably high DE three, honestly. I've then got Ferrell playing 600 snaps and being down in, in the four range. And I've got Ngakwe 550, a little bit below that. So basically two of those three guys, not even reliable right. top 36 options. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I have Crosby as the the one that I would want uh, yep. if I had to take one. I don't want to take them because yep. yeah, like you said, Crosby, I, I just don't trust him. I mean, he's he's been a good finisher uh, his first two years in the NFL, but we we've talked about that. You know, that's not really uh, something that could potentially stick year to year for for these edge rushers. So yep. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, right. Um, okay. One of uh, a lot of people's favorite defenses in IDP, the New England Patriots. Uh, they signed Matt Judon to another, that's a decent sized contract as well. Four years, $54 million. Big money um, for Judon. It was, yeah. It's uh, kind of surprising. He's, he's not somebody that classifies a top tier talent, but but I'm curious, yeah, what did you think about uh, Judon going to the Patriots? Here? Yeah, I don't think he's a top tier talent. I, I think he's a good player. We talked about pass rush is, is pretty natural. You know, with the Patriots, especially people say, oh, you manufacture pass rush or you create pressures for him. Doesn't, that doesn't really work or make sense outside of blitzers because, you know, mm-hmm. pass rush and, and stopping the run is a numbers game, right? You, you defend blocks uh, two options is you leave someone unblocked properly or they beat their man beating their man is just pretty much a function of how often they do it it changes a little bit but it's that um and being unblocked is generally a product of, of being a blitzer so someone like him who's obviously a designated pass rusher on almost every snap you can't really manufacture pressure however patriot is a good pass rush team who don't create star pass rushers because they're a good pass rush team by varying what they do we talked about their front flexibility talked about their blitz tendencies blah 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 uh so i, I quite like Juden. i i think i've got about 15th something like that um so i, I think he'll be decent i think he'll be reliable and interesting i don't think he's gonna be a stud I, I think there's very little chance he he becomes much better than that uh i think probably top end d2 would be about his ceiling Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense as a ceiling for sure. I'm not, I'm not crazy about Judon. Like I know, you know, he, he does a decent job of, of putting up production numbers, but uh, he's always been like a high percentage of cleanup pressure type player Um, coming from a a Ravens defense that does scheme up like a lot of blitzes and stuff. He's able to kind of uh, come in there and, and clean up the pieces basically. Uh, So the, the blitz heavy Raven scheme, it, it does open up a lot of opportunities for him, but he's not a guy that um, I'm, I'm actively looking to target. We know what the Patriots like to do in, in their rotation as well. They also brought Kyle Van Noy back, who I think we yeah. know Belichick kind of loves him. Uh, so uh, he'll, he'll get a decent amount of snaps that there's like uh, Chase Winovich, um, Josh Uche, who, who was showed flashes last year as well, or as a rookie. Um Ronnie Perkins, they drafted, uh, Anthony Jennings. They, they got some guys there. I think that'll 
work into a rotation. It's not like the days where we could feel comfortable about a Patriots edge rusher with like Chandler Jones and, and Rob Ninkovich and, and even Trey Flowers to an extent. Um, I, I think there's a more of a rotation there. So I'm not crazy about Judah, but I, I do. I can definitely see like what you said, that DE2 upside uh, is there, if uh, especially if he gets on the field. So it seems to me the Patriots are souring on Chase Winovich a little bit. Uh, so going back two years ago as a rookie, they basically went, you're a designated pass rush and that's all we trust you to do, nothing else. Last year, they expanded a bit. He had, what, three games in the middle of the season where he was pretty much an every down player. But, but he's limited. He's, he's fairly mm-hmm. one-dimensional. He's got the cool hair. He's got the cool name, so we remember him. But I, I think he's been disappointing as a player. Uh, and I, I'd feel more confident in Juden and Van Noy, who are both fundamentally sound players. They're not making many mistakes. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what Belichick wants. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point too. Um, it's, it, you're playing for Bill Belichick. Uh, it's a big difference for any other defense in the league, any other head coach yeah. in the league. So being reliable, um, is important. I, I mean, their whole thing over there is do your job. So if they get a guy like that, that does their job, they're going to get on the field and play. And yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think they are cooling on Chase Winovich quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we saw it last year. He didn't, there were games where he didn't play at all. So, um, it makes sense. All right. Um, another team kind of interesting, uh, the New York jets, uh, they signed Carl Lawson who I am excited about. I know not everybody is, is crazy about him. Um, I, but it's still moderate expectations. I think anyways, <laughs> he is. Yeah. And, uh, they also brought in Jared Davis, uh, a <laughs> <Less> former, <player. laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> former first round pick who can definitely be qualified as a bust. Um, but he's still kicking around and he might even get a starting shot. Who knows? But, um, I'll start with Carl Lawson. Uh, I, I, he's the projected starter over there uh, across from Vinnie Curry, I guess. But Vinnie Curry's not really an every down player either. He hasn't been that for his career. Uh, there could be some opportunity there for, for another edge across from Carl Lawson. Maybe Bryce Huff. I don't know. But <laughs> I like Bryce Huff just from like an analytics standpoint. He kind of stands out. But I know he's not been on the field a lot. And he's an undrafted rookie. So God knows what's going to happen with him. But uh, yeah, Lawson uh, wasn't really a full-time player either up until last season. He played over 700 snaps, which was good. And he finished with the best pass rush grade of his career. He, he hit the quarterback a ton, like second most in the NFL. Um, but just five and a half sacks. So, it, you know, the QB hits do give a bit of context for how close he comes to adding sack totals to his sack total. But um, I'm sure the Jets are hoping for more as well, given his his contract. Uh, and yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting. I, I think Carl Lawson for me right now. So I have him as a DL2. So like DL17 overall. Um, and that's including uh, defensive tackles. Uh, so... I'm excited about him, but maybe not like a, you know, an automatic DE one in his first year with yeah. the jets and Robert Sala there. But uh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Carl? I, I, I don't think you're wild there at all. I, I can definitely see that happen. I've gotten a bit lower. Um, I've, I've got him at about 32, something like that, because I, I think he is, he's not the player you want all the time. Sala's pretty clever, right? He'll do stuff. I tell you the defensive end, who I think is interesting. He might be a defensive end. I like John Franklin Myers. I, I know you yeah. do too, but I, I think Franklin Myers could play um, in a very similar way to Eric Armstead um, and how he did under Robert Sala. Very similar physically, similar sort of game. Um, can rush the passer on their day, a bit more versatile. I mean, Franklin Myers hasn't proved it much. He, he, he flashed uh, last year, but he 
Um, it's his second team, and he, he needs to show he can do it a bit more. I, I just look at the Jets and and their their training ground being on an Indian burial ground, and go, you know, are, are they? Do I trust them in having a, a some edge rush a little bit more than they have the last couple of years, but not massively? So I looked this up because um, we're always saying who was the last good uh, Jets edge rusher. I'm going to ignore Sheldon Rankins because not really an edge rusher. I'm going to ignore Leonard Williams, not an edge rusher. So last decent one, last guys to get forty pressures, which is sort of top 25 edge edge numbers so not that good Quinton Copels in 2013 44 <laughs> pressures and 6 sacks not that exciting and that was 8 years ago and then before that Brian Thomas in 2006 with 41 wow. pressures and 9 sacks <laughs> ultimately where I am is uh, Cole Lawson's interesting I think he's going to have some good weeks yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be that reliable that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. We, you know, we, we have seen it last year. He wasn't overly reliable last year, right? He, even playing on those 700 snaps, he, he would have a game where he'd get a sack, he'd have a big game. And then the next week he would disappear again. So he was inconsistent a little bit. Um, I, I have higher hopes for him here, but, uh, we'll definitely see. Uh, w- w- what about, uh, Jared Davis, uh, going over there? So he, the, the linebacker group is, is interesting. It's not, I mean, CJ Mosley, I think finally gets back yes. to playing, um, and, and brings himself back to IDP relevance. But then it's like Blake Cashman, who, even though he's been in the league only for two years, it feels like he's never been healthy. Uh, I, I quite like um, Jamie and Sherwood, the rookie that they drafted mm-hmm. uh, out of Auburn, who maybe gets a chance. Uh, they did. He was a safety at Auburn. They drafted him as a linebacker. But it feels like Jared Davis is most likely to get the the start over there besides CJ mostly. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just... And Jared Davis is, is, you know, probably one of the worst coverage linebackers in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that's unfair to say. So the way I see it, CJ Mosley is super trustworthy. You can sort of put him in, leave him there all year. Pretty good. I think Jared Davis starts the season. Totally agree with you. I think he sort of has to. They haven't got anybody else that can really challenge that role. Although I think he'll be bad. And then the end of the, the end of the season, I would expect one of those other guys to take over the other role. Um, and Robert Sutter right. is a, you know, I'm going to start my guys, uh, coach. So whoever does win that is probably going to come off pretty well. <laughs> Similar to Green Bay, where we've got really three guys and they're all low chance of success, but, but mm-hmm. big payoff. So uh, you, when you've got Nasser Dean or, uh, Jamie and Sherwood, if you're picking them up in the seventh round of a, of a dino draft, cool. I'm uh, go for it. it. It's a decent shot. It's 90% chance it won't work out for you. Um, but if it does work out, it's going to look great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's exactly how I feel with Sherwood. I'm, I wasn't crazy about the safety class uh, coming in or or post draft, but I I still ranked him pretty high in my safeties, um, just because of the chance that he could potentially win that linebacker role um, at, at some point. Uh, maybe it's not this year, but next year, um, we'll see. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey guys, one more quick stoppage in play before we wrap up this podcast with the great Tom Kisslingberry, and it is about the Reality Sports Online Big 3 IDP Listener Leaks. So by now, you most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, 
Have you tried it? It's time to go and see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about, and the Big 3 IDP are making it happen for listeners. So the Big 3 IDP have partnered up with RSO to offer listener leagues for the 2021 season, and to sweeten the deal, RSO is waiving the $12.99 site fee for the first year. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is the platform to test your mettle. To join one of the big three IDP listener leagues, and there are currently three of them with a potential fourth filling up at the moment, just DM at Big3IDP on Twitter or email them at Big3IDP at gmail.com. The application is simple. Just let them know how many years have you been playing Dynasty? How many years have you been playing IDP? And what's your favorite chicken sandwich? Or if you'd like to start a league of your own, use the promo code Big3IDP to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code Big3IDP to get 10% off the site fee for your own league. So B-I-G, the number three, I-D-P is the code. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. All right, now back to the show. All right, next team on the list, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So they signed uh, Eric Wilson, uh, linebacker for one year, 2.75 million. Eric Wilson was an IDP stud last year, just in terms of putting up tackles uh, as he filled in for some injuries in the Minnesota defense. But what do you think about him as a potential starter here in Philadelphia? I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I I look at the (laughs) Eagles here and go, I don't really want any of those guys. So recap on last year. Um, again, different coaching system. So how much of that we can pay attention. But last year, there's one full-time linebacker role because they played a lot of one linebacker sub packages in, in nickel and dime. Mm-hmm. At the start of the year, that was um, Nate Gary, who was awful. He's gone. Second half of the year is Alex Singleton, long blonde hair, really recognizable, very efficient IDP. So a lot of people like him. I don't think he's that good. Eric Wilson came in. I, I don't think he's a good player. I don't think he's a good coverage player. And that's what I want in linebacker. Um, they paid him 2.75 million, which is chump change. So I don't think they yeah. really like him either. He's, he's a guy. You've got Davion Taylor, who I was excited about last year, but was terrible as a rookie. Basically couldn't get on the field. Interesting, probably not going to pay out. Uh, pay off TJ Edwards, Sean Bradley. I, this is just a classic camp. We talked earlier about you know some people will emerge in camp, and I think this is one you yeah. just need to be reading, reading those reports, and definitely um, watching the first game or two in preseason. And then I think we'll get a really good idea of who that's going to be. And I want whoever it is, I, but I've, I've got no idea who it is at the moment. I'm, I'm guessing, and I, I don't want to mislead anyone. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, I mean, the contract itself tells you a little bit about, like you said, what the Eagles kind of think of, uh, Eric Wilson as a, as a player. It's a one-year deal too. So he's not somebody they've envisioned, I don't think, as a future talent for them. Nah. I, I think linebacker is going to be a major need for them this year, yep. um, throughout the year. It's probably something they address in the draft next year. But I, I still kind of believe in TJ Edwards. Um, I'm probably among the, the minority in this group at this point, but I think he's shown the most as far as like being a run defender. And even in limited coverage snaps, I think he's he's been decent. But um, yeah. 
yeah, I, I don't feel confident in it at all. Uh, they, they even re-signed Alex Singleton yeah. too, um, instead of just letting him walk. And he wasn't good uh, as an NFL player, but was, <laughs> like you said, a good uh, IDP. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see if they, if they, you know, with Jonathan Gannon coming in as the new defensive coordinator, if there's two linebackers that we can trust or if it's back to one. Um, I, I don't really know uh, what to trust, but you're right. And 100% it should be something to monitor this offseason through training camp and, and preseason. It's a mess. But yeah, I mean, that's is. what we want because uh, it creates opportunity and, and most people don't don't read those camera reports and things like that. So great. Yep. Yeah, it makes it fun. Something to, to kind of watch the preseason for, which... I mean, we didn't get a preseason last year, so part of me is a little bit more excited about it this year than usual, but it's uh, it, it adds a little extra element to it. Um, okay, so the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we have two edge rushers that I put uh, on the list here that they signed because that was a desperate need for them. Uh, they brought back Carlos Dunlap on a two-year, $13 million deal, uh, and they signed Kerry Hyder on a three-year, $6.8 million deal. They also signed Alden Smith and Benson Mayoa. I don't know if Alton Smith will ever play football again. He just keeps slipping up. And Benson Mayoa, we know what he is. He's good for maybe one waiver claim <laughs> every season. Really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just pops up every once in a while and then ends up being a waiver ad and a drop like a week later. So that's that's kind of who Benson Mayoa is. He was is. so frustrating last year because you know I, I'm I'm a big believer in playing time, and Benson Mayoa was getting a ton of playing time. He was out yeah. there the whole time, and there was me starting him every week, going, you know, he's got to get home. <laughs> Because he's playing, he's playing like fifth most uh, Ed snaps in the NFL, and he just never did because he's really bad. Yeah. I'm again, this is the sort of situation I'm avoiding. I I will love Carlos Dunlap till he's an old man. So if I've got to pick one, I'll go for him. Kerry Hyde is a, a guy, but he's a reliable pro. You know, this is this is Pete Carroll, right? So he's got no problem with drafting mm-hmm. people relatively early and then going, yeah, LJ Collier, you're not that good, disappear. What I find interesting about the Seahawks defense is it's definitely evolving. And we talked about Dan Quinn earlier. Um, when people talk about Seahawks defense, it, it's still in the head like it's 2013 and it's very, very formulaic and and simple. And it's just not anymore because they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Offenses are adapted to that. The deep crossing routes are, are the obvious way. And that defense is adapted as well. So it's, it's very different to what it looked like six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and front-wise, definitely a lot more multiple as well. So someone like LJ Collier... Is an interesting NFL player. It reminds me of Dietrich Wise um, for the Patriots in that he's he's pretty much a specialist three four defensive end for want of a better term. He doesn't really play that much in even fronts, but he's very good at doing that one thing. So a terrible terrible IDP, but you can sort of look at him and go, oh, he's a starter, whatever that means. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you see the snap counts, like he plays a decent amount, but yeah, like you said, um, he just hasn't been good since, uh, since being a first round pick, it happens. These guys don't always pan out, but for me, like there's nobody to be overly excited about. Like you said, Carlos Dunlap, um, had that great career in Cincinnati. It's too bad that it ended the way it did, or he just kind of faded away. And I, I guess they ended on bad terms as well, yeah. but, um, yeah, they, there's there's some other names there as well. Like Alton Robinson kind of showed flashes <laughs> as a rookie. He's just, but not yeah. like somebody you trust. Yeah. Like Taylor, Collier, like, who was interesting coming out last year. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. Talented guy, but we haven't seen mm-hmm. anything at all. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so yeah, so Kerry Hyder, I mean, he, there's some positional versatility with him as well. Like where, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does have some experience at least playing inside, um, kind of like Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed did a little bit last year where he played a bit on the edge. He played a little bit on the interior. He's gone now. So maybe Kerry Hyder plays in a similar role to that as well. Yeah. Um, Rasheem Green, uh, very similar as well. So I, Green. I, I, yeah. I really like these teams with, with very multiple fronts. They're really good fun for NFL dorks, but man, they don't help mm-hmm. for IDP pace yeah yeah it's it's going to be hard to trust a, a seahawks uh edge rusher this year i mean their their top pass rusher is most likely going to be jamal adams again um just because <laughs> yeah, they, they, if he signs with the team which uh apparently <laughs> he's holding out so they they'll, they'll probably bring him back just because they have no choice but um there's yeah he, he it's always funny when you see things like that right like they they trade away two yeah. first round picks for a guy on an expiring deal you have to know that he's gonna want like the best contract or else you just threw away two first round yeah. picks. Uh, I, I agree so. this could be a really bad defense as well uh, i'm yeah they're obviously well coached and they've got some interesting stuff by them and a couple of star players but they've got some real weaknesses mm-hmm. as well um and your defense only could be your weakest link Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Corner got weaker for them. Um, deep safety role. I don't know who it's going to be, but um, linebackers, not bad. Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. Linebacker is really so. interesting. I want to talk to you about this from IDP point of view sure. as well. So what happens with linebackers? Um, again, you know this, but volume and linebacker play is massively linked, right? Tackles equal snaps pretty much. Um, but we, the IDP world think, oh no, good, good, uh, NFL linebackers, you know, are playmakers, they make their way. Um, and I, I don't find that is the case at all. However, I was doing some work recently on man versus zone coverage numbers. So the one way you can believe that is if, you know, basically if the ball's thrown to you and you're the nearest defender, you make the tackle. That's pretty much how it works. Sure, there's some missed tackles, but mostly that's it. It's not, the ball is rarely between two players so close, it's the better one's going to get there. The more linebackers play zone, the more I found that really does make a difference. doesn't make any difference for most other positions, but for linebackers, um, that, that sort of identify plays and make your way there, you can beat other players to it more consistently. Bobby Wagner is obviously a great example of doing that um, because most most NFL teams don't ask their linebackers to play much to zone. The Seahawks do, right. and, it, and it's wildly different to everybody else. They do it so much more. So Bobby Wagner obviously has been very good for many years and being consistent i'm really interested in what happens jordan brooks is the clubhouse favorite after they spent the first round and pick uh to to win that kj Wright role last year but cody barson and ben burkiven have, have got some got some skills about them as well so i, I think mm-hmm. it'll be brooks but whoever gets that second job i think is probably a good value pick oh for sure yeah i think yeah the, that that second pick has been kind of slept on it i i do like jordan brooks for that role but um like I said, the, the the Seahawks still do run a ton of base. So there's going to be those guys, those other guys, Cody Barton and, and Ben Burkiven that get on the field. Um, and if they start to outperform um, Jordan Brooks, they're probably not going to outperform Bobby Wagner, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they, they can kind of elevate themselves to being the, the LB two and, and take over those snaps. So it's, it's, it's a decent one to take, to keep an eye on. And I like that, um, that point about the zone coverage linebackers uh, racking up more tackles too. It makes sense, right? They're most likely uh, the ones facing the line of scrimmage as opposed to having their back to it and, and yep. chasing and they can just kind of track the ball and then close in on it and make a play. So Yeah, um, I, I never really thought it was a thing. Um, so I've changed my mind on that. Um, so, And I'm factoring that in a bit more. Yeah, that's cool. 
All right. Uh, and this is the last team on the list here. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they went and signed Bud Dupree to a five year, $82.5 million deal, a huge contract. That is uh, disgusting. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, those are obviously the the first thoughts that come to mind when you see that contract for Bud Dupree. But uh, what do you what do you think about Dupree from uh, an IDP standpoint here in Tennessee? Uh, yeah. So let's start with where he is. I've I've actually got him fairly okay, sort of bottom end uh, DE two or edge two. I've I've got yeah. him class there, but you know, your your league may differ. But it really worries me. I'm really scared about this because Bud Dubry, in my mind, is a player who, if everything else is good around him, if there's a load of other pass rush, he can do really well. And the Titans are a team with very little pass rush that desperately need someone to come in and be that spark. And those two things just don't match up at all. That is that is two jigsaw pieces that don't fit. So I I suspect both of them are going to be a bit disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that I, I fall more on the <laughs> expect the disappointment uh, side for Bud Dupree as well. Cause like you said, like that, um, play, coming in, coming from Pittsburgh, first of all, we talked about kind of those blitz happy schemes that can open up some opportunities for, for, uh, edge rushers. And that was definitely the case with Bud Dupree, especially last year. He was second in the league in cleanup pressure percentage at like a ridiculous 60.5%, really, really high numbers. So that's other players doing the initial work yeah. for him and then him kind of cleaning up. Tennessee doesn't have that. So the Steelers were inside the top five in blitz percentage last year, where the Titans were below average in that uh, category. And then, you know, you, you factor in a guy like Harold Landry, who he played a ton last year, but he's not necessarily this great pass rusher right now. No. Um, he, maybe he, he develops led, into that. He but, led all edges in playing time, didn't he? And he, and he, and he was like he 13th in terms of pressure or something from memory. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's on the opposite end of the spectrum of like a Chris Borland or Trey Hendrickson where he was terribly inefficient. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not crazy about Bud Dupree. I think the opportunity is there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be getting on the field because there's really nobody else. Um, <laughs> Derek so, Robeson. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, how can we forget? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who else they have there. Um, they brought. Uh, what's his face? They they, they drafted somebody, but it, it's uh, his name is escaping me. That's tell you Ola, what, Adonai, uh, who who was basically a special teamer uh, as well. He, he come across, right. and then Wyatt Ray. I, I've, I'm really Wyatt disappointed Ray. by Wyatt Ray because I heard his name in Tennessee, and I really wanted him to be this big, beer bellied redneck, and he's he's not. <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate Wyatt Ray doesn't live up to his name, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not crazy about Bud Dupree. I have him, I have him more in like a, a defensive end three territory for me right now, but the opportunity is there for him. So he could easily surpass that. Um, Where are you on uh, Harold Landry? Con- uh, I know we just talked about a little bit, but how high have you got him next year? Um, that's a good question. I'd have to go look, but he's in the same kind of area for me. I I see them both as very similar players. Um, I I can't imagine he plays a thousand snaps again, but again, the the competition for snaps isn't really there. So they, they liked him last year enough to put him out there, but he's also going to have to be healthy. Um, he played a little bit of an off ball role too. Like you drop into coverage, Definitely. which really weird. I, yeah. I find it such a strange role because, you know, most of the time you put him on and, and you're seeing him just rush the edger. Uh, but he played yeah. in the slot and he played off ball linebacker, you know, probably what, 50, <laughs> 70 snaps, something like that. And it's, it's just enough to yeah. be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, I don't even see how it benefits them as a as an from an NFL perspective. Harold Landry covering the slot against a tight end or whoever it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, yet another defense. I'm sort of not very excited about watching. If I have to watch them, and obviously I will, I'm mainly going to be zooming on Jeffrey Simmons and Jayon Brown, and I sort of don't care about anybody yeah. else on the team. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I kind of have a, a little bit of of hope for 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 Kevin Bayard. Um, yeah, you know maybe he gets, he's playing a, a little bit more in the box now than mm-hmm. he, than he ever was. Um, most people associate him with being a free safety, but he is kind of moving up a little bit, um, getting more opportunities there. So, but yeah, it's it's really Jayon Brown and, and Jeffrey Simmons. Hopefully, he could take that next step um, this year as well. But uh, safety is yeah. really interesting actually because Matt Patricia. Kevin Bayard gives you that reputation, right? A few years ago, he had a load of interceptions. And he was very much playing deep. And Matt Patricia has more and more pushed that defense to being much more like Romeo Cornell's, which is left and right safety. Um, and sort mm-hmm. of definitely a lot of too high. A little bit similar to Vic Fangio, and he just puts one guy on either side and sort of leaves them there 90% of the time. And it's, it's really unproductive for IDPs. But Kevin Bayard gets a lot of love still. Yeah, yeah, he does. I, I'm not taking him high, but I think a lot of people have kind of um, caught on to the fact that, you know, he's he was this big play dependent player in his first year uh, that he came on the scene and, and I've kind of started to fade him a little bit since then. So I'll take a shot on him late in drafts usually just to kind of... Um, if he does play more of that box role. But other than that, um, he's not like a top safety for me. Um, all right. That, that's everybody. Um, that was a really great talk. I, I really appreciate it, Tom, uh, you coming on. It's, uh, you know, there was plenty of IDP free agent goodness here. Uh, a huge thank you to Tom Kislingberry. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that discussion as much as I did. Uh, I personally can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. Bless us with your knowledge and talk some football with me. I really do appreciate it. Um, before you go on the off chance that someone listening doesn't know who you are or um, doesn't follow you, please tell them where they can find you and your work. Uh, and if there's anything you'd like to promote that you've done or are currently working on this year, please share. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you can find me uh, mostly talking football on Twitter um, at Tom Kislingberry. Obviously, Kislingberry is a stupid name and no one can spell it, but type in K-I-S-L and you'll sort of find it after that. Um, so that will help you out. Um, I, I write for DLF, Dynasty League Football, so most of my long-form stuff is up there. Um, so check it out. It's a really good website, really good IDP stuff, so I heartily recommend that. And I write for UK magazine called Gridiron which is super good, much less fancy stuff, much more NFL and numbers. Um, so if, if you can, if you're in a country where you can get it, then you should definitely read Gridiron because it's really, really cool. And apart from that, I'm, I'm just grateful to be talking football to people. So thank you so much for having me on. No problem, Tom. And, and thank you. And, um, you know, it's important to know that you can't spell Kisslingberry without K-I-N-G. Uh, Tom <laughs> is the king of, of IDP. So go check out his work uh, and all the stuff that he does. Really great IDP content. Um, and including uh, the Defensive Schemes Handbook that you put out, I believe oh, yeah, I should it's talk pinned about to that. your profile. Yeah, that, that was months yeah, ago. Yeah, sure. that should be in my pinned tweet. It's my sort of labor of love for the year. Um, I find a a lot of people talk about defensive scheme and sort of talk about things that aren't necessarily true. We talked about Mike's Wills and Sam. That, that's not a thing anymore. Everyone throws those terms away. So so I wrote the handbook to try and explain what defenses actually look like. Um, so yeah, check it out. I think it's cool. It is very cool. It's uh, it's a, I use it all the time. I love to go back and kind of reference it and just kind of look at it when I'm looking at team defenses because I think there's a lot of great information uh, within those 586 pages, something like that. <laughs> it took a while. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, really good stuff. But so I appreciate you putting that together. Um, 
And yeah, if you're looking for more of my work, um, I could be reached on the Twitter at PFF underscore Macri. My DMs are always open if you have IDP questions or just want to talk football. Always happy to chat. Uh, I also write a weekly fantasy article throughout the offseason for PFF.com and two per week in season. Uh, my most recent articles are going to be covering positional tiers for IDP heading into the 2021 season, starting with uh, linebackers. So go get yourself a PFF Edge or Elite subscription and get get access to all of that great content over at pff.com. And on the next episode, uh, we will be going over potential IDP breakout candidates with Zach Magley, aka ZMags from idpguys.org. So that should be another fun episode uh, full of IDP goodness. goodness. So until next time, IDP's out.